Good morning, Bokertov, everyone. Today we will study Parashad Re'eh, beautiful parasha. This is the continuation of Mashur Abenu's uh, speech toward the end of his life. He's giving his final parting words to Am Yisrael in the last couple of weeks of his life. He creates this imagery of Am Yisrael being able to make a decision, a choice. Of I am placing in front of you blessing and curse. And you get to choose if you want the blessing and the curse. The blessing is if you follow the mitzvot. The curse is if you don't. In other words, what he's saying is that you are choosing to, by following the Torah and mitzvot, to receive blessing. And you are choosing, by neglecting to follow the Torah and mitzvot, to get the curse. It's He's trying to make this very simplified, if you will. Now, obviously, the Torah is not that simple. Uh, but he's trying to say, ultimately, this is what it comes down to. It all comes down to a decision. So one thing that's worth speaking about is the concept of freedom of will. In, in, in a Torah and Yahadut, and as you see from here, it's very important to understand that a core tenet of our belief is that we choose. We have the ability to make decisions. We can decide what we want to do. Now, to be clear, you cannot decide what the outcomes will be. You cannot decide what will happen, but you can decide what you choose to do, right? And so like the famous example is like, I could decide to hurt someone. I could take something and throw it at a person. Now, whether it actually hits them or not is not always in my control. If the person doesn't deserve to be hit, Ribbono Shalom can have his ways of you know, something getting jammed, something coming and blocking it, etc. But the decision is mine. This, I have the ability to make the decision. Why this is so important is because there are other religions or other beliefs, philosophical beliefs, that we don't have freedom of will. If we don't have freedom of will, then the Torah can't say, well, if you choose this, you'll get blessing. And if you choose that, you get cursed. Hold on a second. I can't, I'm not choosing anyway. So the whole, the whole, uh, the precursor to the Torah, to believe that the Torah exists is God is telling us to do something and not to do something. You have the ability to choose whether you do it or not. So that's something that's worth, uh, clarifying or explaining at the beginning of the parasha is that we have the choice to to choose what we decide to do in our lives. And Moshe is putting the choice in front of them. Following the Torah Mitzvot comes with blessing, and not uh, following the Torah Mitzvot comes with the opposite. Shalonida. So the Torah tells us that when you enter the land of Israel, um, you have to choose not to serve any of the idol worship. Choose not to go to the Batei Abodazara and serving their idols. Anything that they would serve as idols, you have to choose not to serve them. You have to decide that it's something that you don't want and you're going to abolish them, get rid of them. And the Torah says, I the way it used to be, or the way other nations were serving their gods in the land of Canaan, in the land of Israel as we're entering, is... They would bring their offerings and their monuments wherever they wanted, whenever they wanted. Not so with Am Yisrael. Uh, the Torah tells us, Lo ki'im There will be a designated spot, and that's where your korbanot should be brought. That's where you bring your korbanot, that's where you bring your service. A person can pray everywhere, but their offerings, their sacrifices, there are certain things that there is going to be a specific location that they can do. Now, when we ultimately, David HaMelech purchased the land in Jerusalem, in Yerushalayim, and Shlomo HaMelech built the Beit HaMikdash in Yerushalayim, that became the place. Before then, there were a couple hundred years that we had the Mishkan that was going around uh, in Shiloh. There was other areas. And there would be a Mishkan that that was a designated place until ultimately it came to its final destination, which is in Yerushalayim, which is where the first and second Beit HaMikdash 
were in Jerusalem, and Bezrat Hashem, the third one, will be there as well. That is, uh, that's not going to leave. But up until we got to that point, there were other places the Mishkan uh, would would reside. Okay, now I want to uh, I want to um, speak a little bit about this idea of eating meat because it comes up in our parsha. This idea of eating meat and and uh, um, there's really a person can bring certain sacrifices in the mizbeach uh, in the Beit Hamikdash that they are allowed to eat from. So this is more about the details of korbanot. There are certain korbanot that are fully, uh, korban is a sacrifice, certain of them are like fully burned. Certain of them are partially burned and partially are given to the koanim who are doing the service in the Beit HaMikdash. There are certain korbanot that are also, that a portion of it is also eaten by the one who is bringing it. So a portion goes to the Mizbeach to be burned, a portion goes to the koanim, and then a portion is eaten. So if someone is in Jerusalem, or someone is in Jerusalem, or if someone is near the Mishkan, and they want to have a barbecue, they want to eat meat, well, the best way to do it would be to bring a korban. You bring a korban, you give a little bit here, you give a little bit there, and now you have kodesh meat, meat that has a level of kiddushatit, and you could eat it, but that's not always possible. Why? Certain people aren't next to the Beit HaMikdash, or the Mishkan, rather. Certain people aren't there. So what the Torah tells us is, when God expound, expands your borders, and it's not so simple, not so easy for you to go to the Mishkan, every time you want to eat, here's what the Torah says. Um, and you say, I want to eat meat, because you, you want to, you're allowed to, no problem. That's fine. You're allowed to eat meat without bringing korbanot. You know, like this is something that, what in the context of what the Torah is telling us, remember, keep the flow. Others bring their sacrifices wherever they want, whenever they want. But you have to bring it specifically in the place of the Mishkan. And so if you're close by it, to it, so then bring your bring the meat that you want to eat, bring it as a korban. If you're not close by to it, don't bring a korban in your backyard. Again, going back to the first point of our, of our uh, parasha, you're allowed to eat it wherever you want. It's just not going to be a korban. I want to uh, point out one very, very, very important lesson. In our Chachamim, um, they use this line of the Torah as a springboard. The Gemara says, hold on a second. When the Torah is telling you, if you want to eat meat, you can eat meat, it starts off with these words of, Ki archiv Hashem et when Hashem expands your borders, right? When Hashem expands your borders, and now you want to eat meat, fine, no problem. Don't bring it as a korban, just eat it as a regular thing. It's not a sacrifice. Don't bring a sacrifice in your backyard. But they pick up on the fact that why does the Torah say, when your borders are expanded, at, just say, when it's hard for you to get there, when it's very far from you. And so the way the Gemara explains it is that eating meat is a luxury. Remember, you're talking to people at this time that they didn't eat any, you know, they were they were in the desert. They didn't even have a home. They were they would get food that falls from heaven. Eating meat is a, viewed as a luxury. And nowadays with the plenty that we have, it's almost like commonplace. But it's not. It, it's more expensive than some other things. Um, and it's viewed as a luxury. If you view it as a luxury, what the Torah is telling you is when your borders are expanded and you want to eat luxuries, so then this is how you do it. Our sages learn from here. Um, Don't live outside of your means. When is it that someone should be eating meat? 
when their borders have been expanded, meaning when a person can afford it and they have their wealth has been expanded, now it's time that if you want to start enjoying, you could go ahead and enjoy. But don't start enjoying things that when your borders haven't been expanded, meaning if you can't afford it. If you can afford it and you want to enjoy it, by all means, go ahead and enjoy it. But if you cannot afford it, it's not proper for you to be enjoying things that you can't afford. Yeah, Torah is teaching you a little bit of personal finance here and teaching you the idea of that a person has to have the humility and the self-awareness of if there's something that you can't afford, you should not be uh, getting loans, running up bills so that you could do things that aren't important. Very important lesson. Why? Because the Torah, as we're learning these messages, sometimes you might feel is Sagamah bringing sacrifices. It's somewhat distant. But even within the words, it's teaching you something that's very important. And close to home, the idea is that a person has to prioritize what is important to them in life. And if you want to have the luxuries, if you could afford the luxuries, go ahead. But don't get confused and put the luxuries before the necessities. And before you could afford it, start spending on it. That's the, the Torah is giving you permission to enjoy the luxuries when you could afford it. But if you're not, then it's not a matter of it's against the Torah or not. It's a matter of that's not the proper way to prioritize your life. Luxuries can come at the end as a spice of your life. They should not be the core of your life. They shouldn't be something that you're chasing after. It's like the famous uh, um, uh, cycle of someone's working so hard, working so hard, working so hard. Why are you working so hard? I'm working so hard because I have to go on vacation. We have a big summer vacation coming and we're going to go to wherever we are with the best hotels. It's going to cost me $50,000. So I've got to work overtime so I can make the money so I can go on vacation. And why do you need vacation? Oh, we need a vacation because I need a break from all of the hard work that I'm doing my entire life. I need to just take a second to breathe. So you're you're working so you could vacation and you're vacationing because you're working. And that's the, the vicious cycle, right? Obviously, there has to be a point where you take a step back and say, if there's something that at this point in my life I shouldn't be involved with, you have to have that that awareness. Very, very important lesson um, that unfortunately not everyone that everyone has. The Torah speaks about um, different things again, about different types of people that might come to this uh, to, to sway you away from the Torah. The Torah speaks about someone who is uh, a false prophet coming and saying, "Oh, I spoke to another God, and this is what the other God told me." Or the Torah speaks about someone who entices you to leave the religion and go toward other religions, even close families. And the Torah is telling you, if there is someone that's coming and trying to pull you away from the religion, you, or pull you away from the Torah, pull you away from the truth, to go serve another god, to go follow some false prophet, it's something you should be, uh, you shouldn't take lightly at all. And you should be very, and, and talks about um, making, executing them, right? I wouldn't do this on your own. This has to be done through courts. And there has to be research done and there has to be investigations. But the idea here is to show you how important it is to stay uh, true to the the Yadut, to the Torah. And if others are trying to pull you away, to ignore them and not to get involved with them, not to listen to what they say. The next has to do with the mitzvot of kosher. Oh, I think I got, my camera got disconnected. So until that picks up again. Can you hear me? Can Can you still hear me? We can hear, we can hear okay. you right away. So I'll keep going until uh, my camera decides to turn back on. So here we go. There we go. It should be back. Okay. So continuing with the mitzvah of kosher. Kosher is, the Torah tells us how there's different signs of different animals. Um, incidentally, I just want to point something out because uh, my family and I, we just went to the 
Philadelphia Zoo. And as part of being in the Philadelphia Zoo, we had fed giraffes. Um, you're able to hold a branch, a branch that you could, I could have just plucked off myself, but they charged me, who knows, like 10 bucks to get it. But whatever, that's okay. That's part of, uh, part of the, <laughs> the admission cost. So we had like a, a tree and there's like this huge giraffe, probably like 15, 20 feet high. It brings its necks down and it grabs the, the branch from you. The giraffe incidentally is a kosher animal. Many people have this misconception that giraffe is not kosher. It's probably because we don't need it and we don't need it because good luck finding a, a giraffe. We, we don't live with many giraffes roaming around and they're in the in the zoo i don't think they're going to let you have that for dinner and if you want to go somewhere else uh, where there's a lot of them running around good luck pinning one down and doing i think goats are a lot easier to handle but i will say that um there are a couple of signs and giraffe has all of them one of them that the, there has to be a split hoof so for example if you think about a horse a horse has a a hoof that's that's uh, very sturdy um or very solid rather Whereas a kosher animal has almost like, if you think about it like this, you can take a piece of paper or a credit card and slide it through the foot of a cow. It has a split hoof. So to a sheep or a goat and also a giraffe. Then the other things about an animal is that, a kosher animal, is that it chews its cud. What does that mean? That means it has four different stomach chambers. See, the human uh, stomach, you chew. Digestion begins in the mouth through the the... Uh, saliva, the enzymes in the saliva, and it already starts breaking certain types of food down. And then it goes down the esophagus, and the stomach does the digestion, and it goes through the large intestines, the the small intestines, the large intestines, and that's how they body digest. It's a one-way track. It's not really coming up, and if it's coming up, you uh, have uh, acid indigestion. You should be taking tums, peptobismol, those type of things. Whereas for a cow, uh, it takes its food, it chews it, it goes down, and then it regurgitates it, brings it back up. And then swallows it into its second stomach, back up, third stomach, back up, fourth stomach. It has four stomach chambers. And again, if you think about how that, what this means is that its stomach isn't is is going through different processes very slowly. And what is it eating? It's eating hay. It's not eating. It's eating straw. It's eating grass. So the stomach is going through this very long process of that of digestion. A carnivore, like a lion, for example, its stomach doesn't do any. It, it could. You put whatever you want in that stomach, or like you see these pictures of like a alligator just swallowing up an entire animal. The digestion system is able to handle anything in there of these of these beasts that aren't kosher. Kosher animals very sensitive stomachs. Same is true with a giraffe. And again, I'm just saying this because we just saw one last month. Um, the Torah tells us the cow, the sheep, the the goats, different type of wild animals such as deer, giraffe. They're all kosher again. I don't think anyone really eats a giraffe. I'm just saying this um, for the you know the the excitement of the understanding the signs. One more sign I'll tell you is that these front upper teeth, the kosher animals that I listed don't have them. Like a sheep or a goat, if you ever look at the top of a goat's mouth, there are no teeth here. Why? Because it's not really biting into things. It's not really a, it, it can chew. It has a bunch of back teeth, but it doesn't have the same front teeth. And that's a sign to also to recognize whether an animal is kosher or not. Um, there's different birds that Torah tells us, different fish that Torah tells us that they're kosher species. Uh, we don't eat insects. Or it's a, the Torah doesn't have, have eating insects. Different, All different things about kosher. One thing I want to mention about kosher is that very important that the mitzvah of, of kosher teaches us 
uh, how to control ourselves. Um, someone's spoken Armenian yesterday very nicely, giving a mashal of when a child of a, of a kosher home goes to the supermarket and they just pick up things and the parent says, this is not kosher. The child comes to understand that it's just something I just can't eat and it will put it back. And now this can be used even for kosher things. You just tell the kid it's not kosher. But that putting that aside, you the child from a very young age learns that there are things that are not kosher, things that I don't, I can, just can't take. Why? Because I don't take it. I don't have it. And so the same would be true that if you learn this self-discipline and this restraint, this willpower to say no to something, and it becomes so easy for you to just say, it's not for me, you can apply this to other parts of your life. When there is a situation where someone can make money, but the money is not kosher, and they know that it's not kosher, it's not kosher. It's not for me. I can't eat it. I can't make money this way. It's not worth it. It's not worth it for me to get involved in these practices or the way you're speaking about someone. It's not kosher conversation. It's just not for me. I can't do it. It's a training mechanism to teach you that there's certain things that you just have to be hands off. Don't get yourself involved with. Um, then I'll tell you the Torah speaks a lot about the mitzvah of charity. There's two types of uh, mitzvot that are given about charity here, which I'll speak through and then we'll end off. Speaking about someone who is in need, someone who opens their hand to you and asks for help. Now, you should know that there's there's two different types of that. There's the, the person that goes from door to door asking from everyone. That's one type of person. And you give them something. If the person needs, and you, you can give them something, but you don't have to give them everything. You can give them a dollar, whatever. Whereas there are certain types of poor people or people who are hitting hard times, but they're not going from door to door. They are going to one person. They're going to, let's say it's a relative or something, and they, it's not something that they want public. Then you have a responsibility. You have a responsibility within your means, what you can afford to support the person and not let the person go from door to door begging. And, and if you can avoid that, that is really, there's a concept of halakha that says, the, the people that need and they are in your home, in your town, in your city, they come first. You should be giving the people around you first because hopefully you can help them to get back up on their feet that they don't need to go around from door to door because you could support them. So there's really different ranges when it comes to, to giving charity. There's the person that goes collecting from door to door and there's the person that's fully relying on you. Um, and obviously both are important mitzvah, but the, the person that's fully relying on you is the greater mitzvah in the sense that you can help maintain this person's dignity by preventing them having to go from door to door uh, for making this something public. That's something to keep in mind. And then lastly, I'll say there's this concept of ma'aser sheni that we're introduced to in the Torah, which I'll explain. The concept of the ma'aser is giving 10%, but there's a whole level of giving 10%. When we think about ma'aser from our income, you're thinking that you get your paycheck, you take 10%, give it to charity. That's one thing. But the way the Torah speaks about it is someone who is a farmer, someone who has a field and they, their land produces wheat. They have to take a small portion of it, let's say 2% of the wheat, and give it to a Kohen. Okay, That's a gift that they have to give to a Kohen. Then from what's remaining, they have to take 10% and give it to a Levi. Okay, So that's the second uh, tax, if you will. The first tax, 2% Kohen. Second tax, 10% Levi. There's a third tax. And depending on what year it is, this third tax goes to different people. So what the Torah tells us this week is that in certain years, that third tax is taking 
and giving it to yourself. What does that mean? What that means is, is that it's called Maser Sheni. You take off 10% and you say that I'm going to eat this in the place of the Mishkan, times of the Beit HaMikdash. I will take this up to your Shalayim and I will eat it there. Unbelievable. We have a mitzvah. Each and every person has a mitzvah. that Every year, when their land produces wheat, barley, corn, whatever it is, you take 2% Kohen, 10% Levi, another 10%. You put it aside. You take those funds. You go on a vacation to Yerushalayim, to the, the Kotel or to the Beit HaMikdash, and you buy the shawarma from the shuk, and you enjoy the food there in Yerushalayim, and you have to spend it there. You have to buy fruits from there. You have to buy food from there. You have a party there. Rent a hall, enjoy, and, and have a good time there. It's, it's a beautiful mitzvah. The Torah is telling you, hey, take a portion of your food and go enjoy it over there. What is what is the reason behind this mitzvah? So the way the Torah tells us, really, and the way our sages uh, elaborate, the Torah tells us is that by taking a break out of your normal life uh, and going to your shalayim, and seeing the Beit HaMikdash, and seeing the Kwanim, and seeing the great rabbis, seeing the great people, seeing the great spots, what ends up happening is you remind yourself what's important in life. See, the Torah here tells us um, that you, when you go there, When you go there, you're getting refreshed, and you're going to take that energy back home with you. The Torah is giving you a concept of taking a vacation. But it's not telling you to take a vacation to go to, to somewhere to enjoy, which is also important. The Torah's vacation here is going to refresh your soul, to refresh your spirituality. Go to the Beit HaMikdash. Go to Yerushalayim. Go see the Kohanim. Go see the great sites. Go see the home of Hashem. Go see the, the, the great Rabbanim that are, that are there. And you come back refreshed. You come back with a new breath of life in you. Your soul is being fed. You think by taking food and going to your shalim that your stomach is being fed, but really you're going to your, for your soul to be fed. Why is this so important? Because we all have our busy lives. Everyone is involved with their lives, just trying to make ends meet, trying to get the kids to school, trying to do this, this, and that, which is very difficult. And it, it consumes our lives. And that is life. It consumes our lives. Whatever it is with jobs, with family, with shalonada, sickness, with this problem, with that problem, we get consumed in our lives. The Torah understands that. The Torah says, once a, once a year, I want you to take something and I want you to go spend this in your shalim to refresh your mind, to refresh your soul, to remind yourself what's important. So when you go back home, you remember. You remember what are the important things. You don't get bogged down in the details which you're going to be involved with, but you remember what your priorities should be. I think this is something important for all of us. It's We don't have the same mitzvah nowadays, but we have concepts like coming to listening to a shiur, or going to the Bekinesset, going to Minyan every morning, going to Bekinesset on Shabbat, going to Kinesset on Shabbat, Shabbatot, listening to shiurim, spending five minutes of your life, of your day, reading a Torah, reading Tanakh, reading different things of Gemara. What these, what these points are supposed to do is you're busy. You're busy with your life. You're busy with your day in, day out, trying to make ends meet with the family events, with the kids, this, with the carpool. You're busy with all of these things, with family, with the work, with job, all of these things, and friends, they, they all take your time. But remember what's important. Remember to take a few minutes and go to your shalim. Remember to take a few minutes and study Torah. Remember to take a few minutes to enjoy to refresh your spirituality. Listen to Yeshua. By doing this, what you're doing is, is you're making everything else more meaningful. Because 
as you're doing the other things, you remember why I'm doing this. You remember the the, the purpose of this, the goal of this. So it's it's important. Um, it's important to always take a step back, to take a breather, to take a breath, and to get to get a refresher from a spirituality standpoint. To make sure that you you're feeding your soul as well, not just feeding your belly, but feeding your soul. Um, and Be'ezron Hashem, Be'ezron Hashem, you'll be able to then bring that back home with you, so that as you continue with the busy uh, schedule of your life, that you always have your heart in the right place. You're always thinking about what's important to keep you anchored, to keep you um, connected to what's important. Okay. With that, I'll pause. If there's any questions, we have a few minutes left. If anyone wants to ask a question, please do. Okay, there are no questions coming in. So we'll stop here. If anyone wants to reach out, you could always reach out to me. Have a great week. Shabbat Shalom. This week we begin the Chodesh Elul. The month of Elul is beginning, which means next Sunday, a week from today, Slichot uh, begins. So Bezon Hashem, I hope and pray that this month will be a month of uh, refreshing of, of showing our commitment to Ribbon Shalom through Slichot, through Tefillah. Hashem should forgive us for everything that we do. May we improve. May, by focusing, we'll improve our actions. And may we all be inscribed in the Book of Life for the year to come. Shavuot to everyone. Have a great week. Talk to you later. Bye.